0: have for us, uh, Lord, we can know it. And and Lord, while none of us live it out perfectly, uh, none of us, none of us are batting a thousand. Oh, but God, you are. And uh, that's just that's so much joy and peace right there. Yeah, we're grateful. Lord, uh, help us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if... Uh, if you know you're going to struggle and you don't want us talking about you while you're asleep just turn to your neighbor and say hey just keep an eye on me and, and help, me, help, me, help me stay with it okay so what we're going to do in this so yesterday we talked about the sufficiency of scripture is the bible enough for pastoral ministry that's really what it boils down to uh, for local church ministry and uh... with all of our heart we say yes the scripture is sufficient um, this morning, effectively, what I want to do is, is just kind of give you um, some insight into just the way we approach it in the biblical counseling course in, in, in the Living Faith Bible Institute. Um, this will be an introduction to biblical counseling for some of you. For others, hopefully, it's, it's review, and, and uh, it's good to be put in remembrance of the things that you know. But um, this morning, you know, let's just trust the Lord to see uh, why we need biblical counseling and what it is, how it works, uh, how a biblical counselor should roll. And if and if we can't, if we can't look at the approach today, we'll we'll definitely get to that tomorrow. Um, but here it is in a nutshell. Okay, if we're gonna if we're gonna look at human psychology, let's at least do it from a biblical perspective. Amen. There is a. There is a way that the natural man thinks, and and there's a reason for it. And so so if we're going to get our biblical psychology down, well, then we need to understand this. Uh, Everything started, right? Where did we come from? Everything started in Eden, didn't it? That's where man started out. And in Eden, God had man in perfect relationship with himself. That's your first blank. Uh, So much so that Adam is in the the image of the Lord himself. Uh, This is how God made him. Genesis 1.26. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Uh, Adam, he is a chip off the old block, so to speak. You know, kids look like their parents. And that's exactly what's going on here. Luke 3.38, talking about the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, traces it all the way back to Adam which was the, you know, you got Seth, who was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Adam was God's son. And as such, he has this wonderful relationship with his father. Adam is walking and talking with God. And you see the evidence for that in Genesis 3 8. It's the cool of the evening. It's time for the daily wind down. It's time for it's 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 time for hang time. I mean, that's what fathers and sons do. Did You get your homework done. Is everything done Is everything good? Okay, let's go snuggle up, you know. Let's go, let's go watch our show. Let's go, let's go talk about girls. You know, whatever, whatever you know. Uh, we need hang time. Uh, they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So not only is, this, is there a, this perfect relationship with God, but everything is provided for. Every need is supplied. There's perfect provision. And let's just run it down. There was peace. I mean, at the end of creation, God's pronouncement over all of it is, it's all good. It's good. There was beauty. Check out Genesis 2, nine. Out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to sight. Aren't trees beautiful? What, what's one of the first things that, that, that artists do? I mean, they, they paint trees. You know, They're beautiful. It's pleasant to the sight. And good for food. There was abundance to fulfill every physical need, right? You see that at the end of Genesis chapter one, Genesis 129. Behold, I give you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you. It shall be for meat and to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth on the earth wherein there is life. I have given every herb for meat and it was so. So you've got all the animals, and you've got man, male and female, created he them. Everything is on the menu. Is God being stingy with man? No, he's very generous with us. There's only one item. There's only one item that's not on the menu. And God so loved Adam and Eve, he's not willing that they would perish. And so he gives them his word, right? The day you eat thereof. I shall surely die. So just that's the one that's the one bit of fruit that's not for you. And that represents the ultimate choice, doesn't it? So God's not holding out. He's not stingy. Out of the ground comes every tree. It's good for fruit, good for food. There was dominion. Man is placed in charge. I mean, He's at the, he's at the top of everything. He's over the earth. He's over every living thing. You see that in his creation in Genesis 1:26. Let us make man. In our image, after our likeness, Uh, we're just all in Genesis. That's why the verses aren't up there. I figured you could probably look up Genesis 1 in your Bible. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. It's good to not be put under the care and the charge of a cow. Adam is in charge. Praise the Lord. God blessed them. So God creates them in his image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish, of the sea, the fowl, of the air, over every living thing that moveth on the earth. So God is promoting his people. God has his son Adam in charge of the family business on planet earth. He's in charge of the kingdom. man, that's amazing. By the way, that's why God made woman because men can never handle the ch- the pain of childbearing. Uh, we'd have one baby, and that would be the end of God's agenda, right? There'd just be two men on the planet, and that would be the end of it. and so so now God makes a womb man and praise the Lord, you know and he and he put he did something with the male sex drive so as to ensure, the propagation of the species that's just like the one commandment that humanity has no problem submitting to be fruitful multiply replen- yes sir yeah. uh everything is in harmony everything's completely balanced right there's a there's harmony in creation the climate's controlled there's harmony between the animals everybody's eating these herbs the fruit bearing herb the, the fruit bearing tree i mean lions or Eating papayas. I mean, praise the Lord. So they're not on the menu till Genesis nine, as, as 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 you well know. There's enough material to do whatever is needed. Genesis chapter two, in verses ten through twelve, you see the, the mineral supply. Uh, it's uh, all of the all of the resources are there to build whatever is desired. And then man has a purpose. That's your next blank. Man has a purpose. Genesis two fifteen. And this is a big deal. God took, right, the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So he's not just in God's kingdom existing. He's participating. And this is a big deal. He's on the team, right? He has a work to to fulfill. He is to dress the garden. And he has a charge to keep. There's warfare, right? He is to guard Right, he's got a position of care, and now he has a job. Right, has got a—he's he, part of something that's greater than himself. He is—he is in the—he's on the team. He's in the family business. He's working his tail off, and that qualifies him to have a wife. Before Adam can get a wife, he has to have a job. And pastors, we need to remind our young men of that. Uh, they, you know, the first man wasn't qualified for a wife until he was making a living. And so then in Genesis 2, verses 18 through 25, we see that God gave Adam a helpmeet, praise the Lord. The Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make an helpmeet for him. He needs somebody at his side. So he knocks Adam out, uh, takes a rib, fashions Eve, brings her to Adam, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man unto the man and Adam verse 23 said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh and that verse right there gives you a little bit of insight into some of the dynamics that are going to take place in the very next chapter he is cleaving to Eve so and, and, and this is by design so there's a father son relationship right there's a vertical relationship that is functioning in harmony it's in perfection. there's a horizontal relationship right there's a lateral relationship he's got human can- that's functioning perfectly it's all in biblical harmony I mean it's the Bible's really small back then so it's not even hard to do um be fruitful multiply replenish the earth eat whatever you want just not that tree i mean you could memorize your whole bible over breakfast okay so everything is in harmony this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man this is why i leave father and mother this is why i cleave to my wife they shall be one flesh and the proof of it is in the fruit I married Cheryl Robertson. She became Cheryl Miles. We are one flesh and the proof is in Sophie, Sammy and Seth. We are one flesh thrice over, okay? The nature of our relationship manifests as fruits. They shall be one flesh and they were both naked, the man and his wife and were not ashamed. There's something amazing about that 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 uh relationship of a man and a woman enter into holy matrimony and and things that before were like your worst nightmare you know I don't know i I grew up having the dream that I showed up to school or work I'm on the job site, and I look down and I'm either buck naked or I'm in my tidy whities, you know and 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 it's just a terrible dream because I'm trying to figure out how to hide. Or, or you got to use the restroom and and you finally find it and then and then you look up and you're trying to do your business and you're like in the middle of the church lobby i mean how who put the bathroom in the church lobby i mean what in the world and and so it's all about covering your nakedness but but by the end of that honeymoon you're pretty comfortable <laughs> i mean here's this person that that you know it's new and somehow it's all good. I, I uh, we went cheap on our honeymoon because um, we wanted to buy a house, and so in, instead of going to Hawaii or Cancun, we just went to Lake of the Ozarks on our honeymoon, and and uh, and uh, so I'm in my I'm in, this is my first house, man. I'm 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 married. I'm my own man. I'm in my own house, and it's just me and my bride, and and I discovered very quickly the clothes are optional. And I, I got used to that lifestyle. I was, at least behind closed doors, I, I went through a phase where I guess I was a nudist, you know. And, uh, and so, so uh, I'm, I'm in Shepherd School. I'm in the Bible School, and and uh, it's summer break. I finally got my Saturdays back. You know, I'm I, I'm trying to figure out how to sleep in one day a week again. And and uh, I'm like, it's been three or four years. What are they doing? for cartoons these that you know i grew as a kid i grew up watching so i'm flipping through the channels i'm eating my bowl of cereal i'm in my i'm in my you know i bought a lazy boy man i mean i'm living (laughs) and i'm watching i'm just seeing what's on on, what's on saturday morning you know and i'm going through and i found a little documentary and i'm watching that and and uh i'm just i'm just enjoying my life and i realize you know it's like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning i'm like oh i bet the mail's already come And and I'm halfway across my yard. My mailbox was on the road. I'm halfway across my yard when the wind blew. And I felt wind in a place. I felt a breeze in a place I'd never felt it before in my entire life. And I'm like, the nightmare is a reality. (laughs) I mean, immediately, I'm like, I started wearing clothes in my house. That was the end of That was the end of that phase. You know, there's something about, as all the married folk well know, just being with someone unconditionally, unreservedly. I mean, unreservedly, uh, there's just, it's wonderful. He that findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth the favor of the Lord, right? Uh, It's a real blessing. It's a shame that men forget that. And they despise, they mistreat the wife of their youth, and they don't realize the damage that they're doing to themselves. They too shall be one flesh, and they're destroying themselves. Well, she's being selfish, she's being a jerk. Well, you made her that way. She's a reflection. Aren't we being conformed to his image, church? So Adam, he's not, I mean, he's still, he's literally in the honeymoon phase, right? Everything is good. It's only good all the time. That's how God works. God is setting him up. His nickname was Chet because he was set like Chet. Okay, so that's that's where it is. Now in Genesis 3, you guys all well know the story. (laughs) Here's how man falls into the bondage of sin and what spirit is at work here. The, I shared this with our Bible school students in our, our speech and reasoning class. It's just a little hack to, to, to help you evaluate things in life. Okay, so so we're commanded by Scripture to try the spirits. And basically, they're going to fall into two categories, right? Um, we're either following and being led by the Spirit of God, or it's another spirit. And the way the, you know, it's like, you, you guys well know Satan He stands in the place of God as God, showing himself that he is God. I will be like the most high. So what happens is, you know, in in trying to produce for himself what belongs to God alone, uh, so the spirit of Antichrist says, well, God's got the mystery of godliness. God is manifest in the flesh. Well, what does the mystery of iniquity work to manifest? Satan in the flesh you see that thing the spirit of godliness manifests god in the flesh. what would say says i will be like the most high so the mystery of iniquity was already at work it's always been working to produce what an antichrist because <laughs> the antichrist stands in the holy place and what's he doing well he's just he's of his father the devil and the lust of his father he will do uh, the, you know, this is, this is, this is the mystery of iniquity working to manifest Satan in the flesh. And he says, I will be like the most high. So he stands in the place of God as God, showing himself that he is God. And so it's reasonable in Genesis chapter three, all this reasoning is taking place with Eve. He shall not surely die. God is stingy. He's holding out on, you. ignore the fact that everything, but this one tree is on the menu. He's holding out on you. He's keeping you down. The man is keeping you down. (laughs) He knows that in the day you eat thereof, it's not your death. It's your liberation. It's your freedom. It's your living. You shall be as gods. What's the invitation? You can stand in the place of God as God, showing yourself that you are God. Join the club. Come on. It's good. It's fun. We're the the cool kids. (laughs) Okay, so, so after the fall, now man is in bondage to sin. Ye shall be as gods. How'd that work out for you? They they did know good and evil. Satan didn't lie to them on that front, but he didn't tell them the price tag that came with that, did he? And their eyes were open, they realized they're naked, they're ashamed, and it's it's the nightmare. They're trying to cover themselves. They can't, you know. So they're hiding out, <laughs> they're hiding out in the woods and fig leaves. And I mean, what a mess. So now What's wrong with man? Look at the end of genesis three twenty three therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. and uh, this is heartbreaking verse twenty four God drives out his son, so he drove out the man, and he placed from Eden from paradise. From heaven on earth, he drove him out, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So where is man now? This is our biblical insight into human psychology. He's lost, right? He's separate from all that God intended for him in Eden and now Adam, right, now man, lost man, is trying to make his way and the the goodness in his life. It's just what he can produce. In Genesis 5, he's having kids after his, and then the Bible adds this key little word, own. It's not the image of God, his own image. And then after his, and so you you, you see the implication, right? After his fallen, rebellious, sinful condition image, right? So what's man doing? And so here's the nature of the unsaved man. The unsaved man, and if this isn't in your notes, you need to get it in your notes. He is unhappy, he is incomplete, and he is empty. He's got, you know, you'll hear guys talk about this God-sized hole in the heart, you know. And But God is sending that message that, that, that he's, let, he's cluing everybody. Everybody can see they're incomplete. Something is wrong. And they'll try to fill it with whatever. Um, when God was dealing with me about being consecrated and, and, and really surrendering my life into his service, like a son should, <laughs> um, I tried to replace that with a number of things. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up in the in the Ozark Mountains. My, my father was a wonderful provider. Uh, I lacked for nothing. We ate well. I had clothes. The nightmare never came to pass. I went to school dressed every day of my life. I went to work dressed um but the one thing that we didn't have was cash there was not a lot of cash um, all my friends at school had some cash and uh i you know i'm doing more i'm doing more they're all city kids i mean i'm doing more work than them and and uh, they got money i mean what in the world and so i go up to my dad, dad can i can i have i found out about allowances can i get an allowance and my dad just looked at me and he says uh, you like them taters you're eating i'm like yeah they're awesome he says, uh, how about that fried chicken? That fried chicken tastes pretty good, doesn't it? He says, how about them clothes? You like going to school in clothes, right? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm stupid. I don't know where this is going yet. He says, he says, that bed's pretty nice, isn't it? You don't have to sleep on the floor, do you? I'm like, no, it's really great. And he's like, uh, it's nice being in out of the cold in the winter, isn't it? Yeah. What are you getting at, Pop? He says, you think these things are free? <laughs> he says, you're already more blessed than you could ever imagine. He says, if you want money, get a job. That's what I had to do to give you all of this stuff. Go get a job, you bum. <laughs> and so he put me to work doing extra. If I did all my chores, I could go. Uh, I could go. Uh, do you guys have multiflora rose bushes in this part of the country? Multiflora rose bushes? Oh, I had to dig stumps. I had to cut down multiflora rose bushes, dig up stumps, and, and then I'd get a buck a stump. For that, that's that's how I got my that's how I got my my Snickers money. I tried to fill it with Cheryl, chasing girls. You know, uh, that woman dumped me more times. I, I I I really don't know. It was three or four times. I lost count. I remember driving home from work, and uh, what's the song on the radio? There's a hole in my heart that can only be filled by you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And that's on. I remember it like, it's just it's one of those memories, man. I mean, a young single man, I pull up to the intersection at 350 Highway and 63rd Street, and that's, and I'm just kind of humming along, and I'm like, they wrote this song about Cheryl. <laughs> oh, I- and I'm just bawling in my 65 month sweet ride, Chump driving it. There's a hole in my heart. God, why won't she love me? You know, if I just had Cheryl, I would just have everything. I'd be thinking like a lost man. He he tries to fill that void. That he's trying to get back to Eden. That's what you want to get in your notes. He's trying to get back to Eden and he's not able because he doesn't know how. He doesn't know how to get back to what there's something wrong. Eden is the answer. He just doesn't know how to get back to a right relationship with the father, with fellow man. He doesn't know how to get back to this place of perfect provision and perfect peace. And so he searches and he thinks whatever he thinks will bring satisfaction, happiness, power, whatever. By his very fallen nature, the unsaved man responds to his perceived need in sinful ways. All he knows how to do is just stack up sin. So I don't, I, I, I feel sad. I need to have a good time. How do I do it? Well, I'll go get drunk with my friends and we'll party and then I'll be fulfilled. No, now you're a baby daddy. How'd that work out for you? Uh, no, I can't tell that story. My dad, good counselor, <laughs> uh, spared me from that <laughs> from that path. Um, we we got to have those conversations with our kids, don't we? Um, I'll jump the gory details, but he said, "You go to that bonfire." And he said, and, "And from there, you're going to end up living in a trailer in a trailer house somewhere in some backwoods alley." And and by that, that'd just be on the corner of somebody's farm. You'll be in some trailer with with eleven kids gutting chickens for Tyson for the rest of your life. He says, you you know, we drive by that place on the way to work. You, you smell that thing? You want to live there for the rest of your life? That's where that bonfire leads to. Okay, yeah, no. <laughs> I'll do it right. I don't want to work for the rest of my life cutting chickens for Tyson. He's fallen, and so it's like, this will make me happy. No, it doesn't. You just make a bigger mess. That's what they do. This is who he is. Every problem that man has is a result of his search to satisfy what he wants, what he thinks he needs in his own way. He's not submitted to God. He's doing the best that he can, and it's a disaster. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Romans 3, verse 10, as it is written, There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none righteous. I have a brother that... Is in prison and he doesn't. Uh, he calls me at all the wildest times. Sorry about that. I think I got the ringer off now. You're supposed to turn your ringer off before you go into church. Did this ring out loud or just in my ear? It was, yeah, okay. What's that? Oh, yeah, sorry. As it is written, there is none Righteous. No, not one. There's no exceptions to that. There is none that understand. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So he does whatever he thinks will make him happy. He makes a bigger mess of his life. He's still unhappy. He's still empty. And ultimately, he ends up, his search leads him to just total destruction. Uh, He can pursue a life of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and still feel like committing suicide. He's still not fulfilled. Uh, I did what the world said would make me happy. Am I fulfilled? No. Poet and philosopher Mick Jagger said it this way, when I'm riding around the world and I'm doing this and I'm signing that and I'm trying to make some girl who tells me baby better come back Maybe next week, because you see I'm on a losing streak. He says, I can't get no. He says, I can't get no. A no, no, no. A hey, hey, hey. That's what I say. I can't get no, no. I can't get no. I can't get no, 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 no satisfaction. And he's a millionaire. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I mean, he's living, I mean, he's the poster boy for that lifestyle. Um, it, there's no satisfaction Proverbs 14 12 says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death this is why Co- I mean Kirk Cobain what? Matthew seven thirteen, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat he tries and he tries and he tries and he can't get his life right and it's on a scale we all know this some people are mild mannered and they make a total mess of their life and it looks like nothing but they're still hurting they're still lost they're still apart other people they're like kamikazes I mean they're just stay away from them because when they detonate they're taking everyone with them he can't get his life right so the problems are, of man are a result of his sin nature okay and all of those problems manifest in one of three categories and we, in, in our Bible school, we take some time and break this down. But, but the first category would be physical problems. Uh, those can be everything from defects to side effects. And that's all a result of the fall, right? They're birth defects. Uh, that's a result of Genesis chapter 3, isn't it? Um, this guy's blind from his birth. Who sent? Him or his parents? It's a birth defect. They're accidents. You know, I thought I could make the light, <laughs> and now I can't walk. Uh, bad diet can affect your health. Lack of sleep can affect your health. Uh, you, show, you show me someone who's sleep-deprived. Their noodle will not be running completely correctly. Okay? That's just, there's no way around that. Uh, sexually transmitted disease can impact physical health. Um, somebody brought up a good question yesterday. You know, a lot of the problems that people have. What if there are legitimate medical considerations that need to be taken to, into account? What about chemical imbalances? What about those things? And this is where I would just uh, just say this very quickly. But uh, this is where you would go to a medical doctor. Okay, you you, you go to a medical doctor who can check out everything and make sure that everything is running according to design specifications. He'll do a blood panel. Uh, he's going he's, he's to get the scans if scans are required. In other words, he's going to take what he knows from actual clinical research. These are repeatable outcomes, repeatable results that are informing his science. And then he's going to make an assessment. And if you get a good medical doctor, now some medical doctors act like Psychiatrists and they love handing out chemicals. Uh, you want somebody that 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 knows how to find the root of a physical problem and address that. And sometimes they will. A good doctor will tell their patient, "You need to toughen up." And uh, here's everything is fine. You need to go talk to somebody. You need to go find. It. In other words, they will say, "I can't find anything wrong with you." I th- maybe the problem's in your head or in your heart. I think you need to go talk to someone. So, a, a medical doctor is a is a a good medical doctor is a wonderful wonderful resource. So there can be physical problems, and then there can be demonic problems. Okay, we Ephesians six says we wrestle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So you can turn to your neighbor and say you're not my enemy. Some of you couldn't do that. I'm praying for, especially, I'm praying for some marriages right now. I'm doing it. Okay, so, so the implication, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That means we wrestle against this spiritual wickedness in high places, Ephesians 6 says. Paul told the church at Ephesus, in Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. I mean, that's written to the church. The church is told not to give place to the devil. Don't make space. Don't give him access. Don't allow him a place with you. Why? Well, because you can't, right? So there are demonic issues, and then there's spiritual issues, and this is the result of the fallen spiritual condition, the spiritual nature of man. Psalms fifty-eight, three: The wicked are estranged from the womb; they go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Psalms fifty-one, verse five: Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. So the root of all of these problems, right? Particularly, we're dealing with now here in this context, biblical counseling, spiritual problems. uh, The root of the problem is the lost man is dead in Adam. He is cut off from the life of God. We've got our sin problem from our greatest grandfather. Now for the saved, if they're saved... You know, they're commanded to walk in the spirit so that they don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, saved people can walk after the way of the children of wrath. You read about that in Ephesians chapter two. That's not us anymore, right? That's supposed to be, Ephesians two, one through three is supposed to be past tense for the believer. That's not how we live our life anymore. So, so, so that's the root of the problem. Now it can take three forms. Our sin can take three forms. First John 2.16 tells us, Those three forms, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And and then you've got two great illustrations of that in Genesis 3 and Matthew 4, Luke 4, right? Um, Eve failing in these three areas, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And then Jesus in victory in those three areas. But look at Genesis 3.6. She saw it was good for food. It's pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, and so she rebelled against God. I'm going to stand in the place of God as God. You shall be as God. That's what I want. Desired to make one wise. And so she takes and she eats. Her husband eats with her. And now there's this fallen sin nature described in Romans 7 18. For the believer, the old man, is the old man is not redeemed at salvation. That sin nature is a very present reality that must be mortified. This is why we have to walk in the spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for the will is present with me but how to perform that which is good I find not. So get this down in your notes. When people have problems and they're wrecking their life it's not the result of some illness, some mental or emotional illness. Our problems are not mental illness that's something that the, the uh, psychiatric community made up it's a concept it's a made-up concept there are physical problems that can affect your emotions right? I mean you know if you don't eat correctly if you don't exercise you don't take care of yourself you don't get enough sleep I don't know how you wouldn't end up thinking crazy or depressed I don't know how you would get around that and so there are some physical things that can be done in order to help improve a person's move, mood or their outlook on life there are physical problems. People can have legitimate biochemical, hormonal imbalances that affect their mood and the way that they think. And so, if there are medical deficiencies, a good medical doctor can address that. Um, Luke was a physician. What an asset that that would be for the Apostle Paul. So this is a this is a this is a this is a good thing that we want to recommend to people. People should take care. They should steward their bodies. Much of what's taught in the medical community, though, is it's a result of observation, right? If they're, not a, if they're not a Bible believer, they may not understand the cause. And so when drugs and chemicals or other therapies are prescribed, it's to control the symptoms that they're seeing, not to affect or, or deliver people from or recover people from or cure the root cause. There's a root cause there's some problem that's producing these symptoms. I may not feel the cause, but I'm certainly feeling the symptoms, and it's really frustrating me. And and I want somebody to talk to and I wanna I wanna just keep meeting with them and talking to them about how I feel bad and I don't feel like people treat me the way that I should be treated. And well, what's the root of the problem? That's what we want to get to. Drugs, all they can do is just elevate your mood, right? They can just change how you're how you're feeling about things but it won't address what's causing those symptoms so how do we as biblical counselors how do we help people so get this down in your notes man's problems can be understood and solved by applying the word of god by applying the word of god so the bible this is our position the bible is the only route to transformation of the human personality and that's what we need we need a transformation to take place. And the only way you're going to get to that is through the scriptures. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things. What's missing? God gave us most of the things, some of the things, a few things. Here's a few hacks and tips that are going to help you in life. No, you have everything, all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge, right? Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 17, the scriptures made you wise unto salvation. So pay attention to your Bible. Why? Because all scripture is given by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We all need that. I need, right? If I'm as God's son, I need that. I need the scriptures to tell me what I should believe, right, to to reprove me over my error where I'm wrong, to correct me, right? I don't just know that I'm wrong but I see how to get right for instruction in righteousness. Right? I know how to now follow God, that the man of God may be perfect, mature, conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ truly furnished unto all good works. Romans 12, 2 is not a suggestion. It's a command to the church. Be ye transformed. Don't Don't be conformed to the world. Your psychologist. All he's got are world the world's solutions to try to deal with man's problems. It's just really rooted in he's trying to get back to Eden. Your psychologist doesn't know how to get back to Eden, y'all. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So get this down in your notes. Here's the key. Man must understand. That God's objective for his life is not his personal happiness, but to be conformed to the image of Christ. And yes, that will necessarily include pain and suffering. Because all have sinned and fallen short, right? All have gone astray. There's none. There's no exceptions. So the way you're trying to solve your kicked out of Eden problem you have to realize that there's no path there. There's no solution there. At some point, you're going to have to come to the end of yourself. How did I learn to not touch the hot stove? I learned through suffering. One way or another, a good parent will warn. They'll teach. They'll give the example, right? And uh, that hot stove, it can be dangerous. And so there may be some, there may be some good old-fashioned, you know, the rod of instruction. Um, but if that kid's pulling a sneaky sneak, and they're going to go away. That's right in their own eyes. You know, Dad lit me up twice for trying to get to that hot stove, and, and uh, I'll show him. Well, one way or another, you're going to learn, right? So through the through suffering, we learn what is correct, what is right. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, and this is God's will, right? For whom He did foreknow, He did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This was the cry of Paul's heart. Philippians 3. I want to be found in Christ. Not having mine own righteousness which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God. By faith. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. I want to enter in. I want to be with Christ. I want to enter into that fellowship. So what's the route for the believer? 2 Timothy 3.12, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So in the example of marriage, uh, everyone gets to enjoy a little persecution in a marriage relationship. It may not be legitimate, but you're su- certainly going to view it that way, whether, even if you're imagining it. I did what was right, and I'm suffering for it. Well, praise the Lord, because you get to learn how to die. What an amazing thing. Marriage is the great, I mean, if God's will is that we all be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did he do? He laid down his life for his bride. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth the favor of the Lord, right? Because brother, you are going to enter into the fellowship of Christ's suffering. You're going to do that. And you may not, I mean, <laughs> And the same goes for you, sister. You are going to enter into the fellowship of Christ's suffering. Uh, You're going to enter in and you're going to learn how to die because if you think your marriage is all about you getting your your fulfillment out of life, you exist to fulfill me is a disaster. I mean, that is a recipe for utter destruction, isn't it? Because nobody, nobody has the capacity to do that for another human being. When my wife and I got married, after that my my wife never got into the nudist phase, but a- after that, okay, and then you start getting into the grind of, of of learning how to be husband and wife and being together and and um and then all of a sudden you realize that you're not marriage wasn't everything that you imagined it was going to be and uh i don't I don't understand why Disney lied to me. We were going to get married, and then we were going to live. Marriage is the answer. I, I want to live happily ever after. I mean, what moron doesn't want that? Let me see if I can find some sucker that'll meet me at the marriage altar, and I want to live happily ever after. And I, you know, I remember being at 63rd and 350 Highway. There's a hole in my God. If you just... And she finally said yes. And now all of my hopes and dreams are fulfilled, and here's this one. My Goodness, she looks so beautiful at that wedding altar. I couldn't believe she was marrying me. I'm like, what I've wanted for the last seven years, it's finally happening right now. I'm going to live happily ever after. Starting today. (laughs) This is awesome. And uh, we just enjoyed each other. She's so smart. She's funny. She's a little bit ornery. Um. Unless I'm winning. And then she can be like mean. <laughs> um, like, all of a sudden, three years into the marriage, she's not doing what I wanted her to do. I'm not living happily ever after. Whose fault is that? Well, it's not my fault. I'm a great guy. I still have hair. I'm good looking. I'm kind of ripped, you know? I mean, it's not my fault, and she's looking at me, and she's like, "I've married the biggest jerk on the planet." So what's happening now is I'm not meeting her expectations. She's not meeting my expectations. It's not my fault. It's not her fault. Whose fault is it? Well, it's obviously my spouse's fault. And uh, you know, we're not we're not in it to hurt each other. We're just disappointed um you know it, it, it hurt and we're going to make it we we both meant it until death do us part we we absolutely meant that and so i'm and i'm like god you may have to kill one of us I, i'm not lying i prayed it you may have to take you may have to take one of us out because Nobody should have to be this disappointed. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I prayed that way for probably three or four years. And uh, I came home from work one day and it finally clicked. Something had changed in my wife. For the last two or three weeks, every time I came home, she was happy to see me. I mean, she actually looked like I made her day just by coming home. I haven't changed one thing in terms of how I'm rolling. I haven't. I'm trying to do the math on it, and I can't get it to add up. She's happy to see me. Uh, she's, she's, she wants to be with me. She's investing in me. It was, like, Amazing. And I'm like, wait a minute, we haven't actually been at, you know, making, it's making the comments, right? That's that's what it looked like in our marriage relationship, uh, just little comments all the time. And they don't, they're not edifying, they they kind of, they're destructive. And finally, I just, it's, she's making supper. And I said, Cheryl, what happened? And she's like, what? Are you okay? I'm like, I'm all right, just. And I described to her what I just described to you. And I said, what changed? I said, who are you? What have you done with my wife? No, never mind. I don't want to know. I mean, I hope she's alive. But I'm trading up. (laughs) I mean, what happened to you? And... um, decades ago now. I mean it just still hurts. She said um, (coughs) I realized you were never going to get it together. I was never going to find my contentment in you. That's what she said. She said I I was expecting you to meet my expectations. And, um, And there's only one guy in the whole universe that can do that. And so a few weeks ago, I made a decision that I would find my contentment in Christ and in Christ alone. And that I just needed to love and reverence you. And I just need to be a wife to you. And, uh, you know, if you're going to be a butthole, that's your problem and that's God's problem. And uh, that was the answer. I was uh I was destroyed uh because my wife entered into biblical Christianity before me. Um, you know, I I'm on the pastor track. I'm supposed to I, was, I should have already had that down, you know. And uh that changed everything. I repented and I realized Cheryl was not Eden. That was not There was no contentment there. uh, That it was my job to just love that woman unconditionally. And anything that is deficient, that's between her and the Lord. It's my job to sanctify her. You know, that washing in the water. That's a game changer. And uh, what an amazing thing to go from. Trying to find contentment in something or someone in this world. To finding it in the person of Christ. And he comes through. He is so good. To know Jesus is everything. He is our life. It's by him that all things consist. He is the all in all. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. There is nothing but Jesus. And whenever you realize that your life. Right? Your life in God is hid in the person of Christ himself. When Jesus becomes Lord of all, then all. The dynamics change, you know? It's an incredible thing. Um, Where was I? Okay, so. Did we talk about pain and suffering? We did. So applying. Okay, yeah, we're applying the word of God to the problems of people. So God gives us three things when we're dealing with people. Just take care of it, otherwise, I'm sniffing for the whole rest of the message. And, and that's disgusting, and nobody wants to hear that. It's even worse on the live stream. You know, nobody should have to live that way. Brian, did I get it all? Is everything okay? okay? So, how do we apply the Word of God to the lives and the problems of people? Well, the solution comes with the three things that God has established. We have the Holy Spirit, we have the Word of God, we've got the local church. And you want to talk about a holistic, therapeutic ministry that will change the lives of people, man, this is it. So the Holy Spirit, God gives us the Holy Spirit because we need to understand his Word. This is what God does. He's the one that opens our understanding, Luke 24. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. We can't understand the Word of God without the spirit of god that's the only way it can happen first corinthians 2 11, 11 through 16 tells us that the bible is a spiritual book written to spiritual men and it can only be understood by the help of the holy spirit and jesus promised us this resource in john 14 15 and 16. let's take him up on those promises amen I'm so grateful for the holy spirit in my life the indwelling of the holy ghost how precious is that? It's called the Spirit of Christ. It's how Christ dwells in my heart by faith. He that has joined the Lord is one spirit, and I come from a guy that was made out of dirt, and God makes me one with himself and how did we get over that man it's, it's tough. i mean when you see that I mean it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to be satisfied walking in the flesh, isn't it? like why would I? Jesus isn't just with me. Jesus isn't just my homeboy hanging out, right? I mean, he dwells in my heart by faith, and I'm never alone. Christians forget, you know, they get they get back in the old man, and they hide, and they sin. Well, it's dark. Nobody can see. Oh, the Holy Spirit's grieved. <laughs> so grateful for the Holy Spirit. I feel so horrible for all the times I grieve him in my life. He's a comforter. He's a friend. Holy Spirit is what gives people the desire to change. John 16, 8. When he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He's the one that gives us the ability to change. Philippians 2, 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Brother, sister, you can live the word of God. You can't do it by your might, by your strength. It's by his spirit—that's what the Lord said. So we have the Spirit of God, and He's a He's a very good help. He is a great comforter. He is a great teacher. He's a great helper. But we have the Word of God. And the Word is our standard. You know, an unsaved the unsaved man consults many books to try to solve problems. A saved person will consult the book and find the answer to his problems. So the challenge, and we don't have time to unpack all of this, but uh, the challenge is the example of King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3. This is, this is the key. Um, we'll, we'll just get the cliff notes on this, and, and then we'll probably be out of time. If we're going to have an effective counseling ministry, then we have to have the correct heart attitude. And that's the attitude of a child. If you're going to be awesome and you're going to have all the answers, you're not going to change many lives. Okay? Uh, read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's so encouraging to me. I read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and I realize there's hope. <laughs> God could use me. It pleases God to use the weak and foolish things of this world. Because that's how he brings glory to himself. So when some dummy with a Bible just points out what the scripture says, who gets all the glory? you've got a real problem here, brother. you got a real problem here, sister. You know what really helped me? You know what the word of God says? This changed my life. Can I share this with you? It's so good. And then you just lay out what it said and how it applies to their life. And then you just hold them. You give them some points of accountability so that they can take it and make it their own. Um, now there's there's relationship, there's fellowship, they're being encouraged. There's Ephesians 4 function taking place. This is all working the way God said it should work. And And then there's a change that, They believe on it they start moving forward with you and believing on it they start obeying they start applying the scripture to their life they submit to it so help them by God's grace they just do what it says and and all of a sudden they start seeing changes they start seeing blessing and what before was a point of frustration now becomes this point of victory and they get excited about that and they want to tell somebody and holy smokes all of a sudden the whole church is getting edified it starts with the heart of a child if you're gonna be awesome then you get all the glory And what's that do to the spirit, (laughs) right? That's grievous. Only God gets the glory. Amen. So here's King Solomon, and he does something very wise in 1 Kings chapter 3. You guys know the story. Solomon, want to make sure you have a good run. What do you want? And look at his reply, 1 Kings 3. So this is another that will be here. um, I don't think these will be on the screen. Turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 3. What do you need? What do you want? First Kings three, seven, and now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child. I have the most important job on the planet, and I don't know anything. <laughs> you see what he's saying? I'm but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? Now, make no mistake about it. Solomon is the son of the king. He is highly educated. He's already full of tons of practical and tactical wisdom. David, look at his life. He didn't mess around, did he? Um, He's he's, he's passing insights on to his boys. Uh, Solomon is no dummy, but he recognizes the magnitude of what God wants to do, and he realizes he can't do it without God. So his confidence isn't in his position as king. It's not in his education we have to, brothers and sisters, we have to come to the place where we're, on. it's a place of total dependency on God. And this is what we see in Solomon's prayer. I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. Thy servant is in the midst of your people. God. These are your people. I'm supposed to lead them, but how can I? Give, verse 9, give. Therefore, thy servant, an understanding heart to judge thy people. Do you see that? That's the first key to an effective counseling ministry. God, make me a counselor. <laughs> uh, I don't have the answers. Your word has the answers. So as I as I study your word, as the Spirit gives insight, uh, and I'm and I'm now conducting counseling in a local church ministry setting, I need an understanding heart. You're gonna have to give this insight. Who, you know, we can work ourselves, we can labor ourselves, and we can use our wisdom, our might, our understanding, our brilliance, and we'll get the fruit of that. But if the Holy Spirit gives us insight, oh, we'll get the fruit of that. Well, I want the fruit of the Spirit (laughs) manifest, not the fruit of my ability. Okay, so this is the first key. I need an understanding heart to judge the people, that I may discern between good and bad, For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? So as a counselor, I I, I now can take a faith-based position. I know there's no problem that's too unique or too difficult because the Spirit has the answers. The Word of God has the answers. This is why my Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So whoever you're counseling, somebody else has been there and done that, and God's given them victory. There is a path to victory from every place in every life. There is a path to victory. And God knows it. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So what I need to do is I need to see what the Word of God says about the problem that's causing my life to be a wreck. There is a path to victory, and so help me by God's grace, according to his word, I'm going to walk that path and my life's going to be recovered. And we see this in 1 Kings. He's asking for wisdom. God gives it to him in spades. Uh, You guys know this story very well. There's two harlots and one child. Used to be two children, but one of them was a heavy sleeper. She overlaid her child and smothered it to death and and, uh, got up in the night and traded out the babies and Thought it would work out, you know, a mama knows her child, so they're arguing before the king and and uh one of them is in agony, the other one is lying, she's in agony too. one of them is lying and she's uh she's obviously not the mother the other woman is. the fact that that she could steal this other baby. I mean something's wrong with her noodle and you see Solomon's solution bring a sword. Right? Um, You're both saying this is your baby. So he's, I mean, he just asked for wisdom from God. He's not going to cut this baby in half. Okay? That's not what he's going to do. You know, he would start child protective services or something. I mean, bring a sword. And the one who isn't a good mom and baby stealer, she says that's a good idea. If I can't have that baby, nobody should have that baby. Because what's being revealed in her heart? She lost her kid. She's miserable. She wants her buddy to be miserable too. I mean, what a mess. Let's cut it in half. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, give it to the other mom. That's the true mother. Why? Don't do that. Give her the baby. Please. She can have it. Do not do that. Ah, I see. No mama wants to see her baby cut in half. That's just, that's never happened. That doesn't happen. Everybody's blown away by the move, by the wisdom. I mean, it's incredible. A little child, somebody who said, I don't know anything, got to the root of that problem, that conflict, in just two minutes. (laughs) I mean, he just sorted it out in a moment. Why? Well, it's because it's the sword. Don't miss the picture that's being applied there. It's the sword of the Lord. It's the word of God that needs to be applied to these conflicts, these problems. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, right? What is the sword? The sword is a divider. That's your first blank. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The sword lays bare it and uncovers what the root issues are. Hebrews four, verse 13. So we need the sword of the Lord applied to those problems. It will discern who's right, who's wrong, what the motivations are. Are they good? Are they bad? We need to apply the word to the problem. And and it is, it's amazing how people respond to the sword of the Lord shows you so much. The people that get accountable and they do what the Bible tells them, you know what, they move forward in faith and they, they have victory. The people that say, I know what the Bible says, but here are my extenuating circumstances for why I can't do that, why I can't be accountable, why I can't submit to what the word says. You don't understand my problem. It's bigger than the Bible. and Well, they, they don't get victory don't get victory see the goal of counseling this is what we see in solomon the goal of counseling is to please god please is your next blame solomon says i'm like a little kid give me understanding to judge people i need an understanding heart to judge the people i need to be able to discern between good and bad because nobody can do this job without you and look at verse 10 and the speech pleased the lord that Solomon had asked this thing. See, the goal in counseling isn't to line ourselves up with the best of modern psychology. That's not the goal. I know as much as any PhD counselor. That's not the goal, okay? The book knows everything. The book has all the answers, okay? Uh, My goal isn't to be able to keep up with some clinical psychologist. That's not my goal. What is pleasing to God is gonna be foolishness to that PhD, Right? What is pleasing to God will be foolishness to the world. 1 Corinthians 1.21. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by, the wisdom, by wisdom knew not God. They're so smart, they've got so many letters behind their name, and they can't even find God. So it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. We either believe that or not. Do we believe, right? do we have a faith-based view of ministry? So we have to decide, are we going to please man? Are we, going to do, are we going to counsel people man's way? Are we going to please man or are we going to please God? John 8, 29. Jesus said, For I do always those things that please him. All that matters is pleasing the Father. Galatians 1, 10, For do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. This is a... Life verse for a counselor, for a biblical counselor, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak. I don't have my own message. I have to say what God told me to say. Not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. Do you see that? Man, that's big. Enoch had this testimony, Hebrews 11:5, that he pleased God. See, verse 6 says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes with God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God, sister, so-and-so is going through a really rough time, and, it, and and there are a lot of issues here, and and what, what is at the root of all of that? Lord, what does your word say about this situation? Um, obviously, biblical counselors need to know their Bible. You need to know it. Genesis to Revelation. Otherwise, if you're not, if you don't, if you don't have the counsel of God's word, then you're not going to be able to help people with the problems that they're wrestling with. There are 66 counselors there that you need to know what they're saying. You need to be familiar. You need to be intimate with their message. Otherwise, how is the Holy Spirit going to be bring to remembrance to your heart the passages that apply when you don't actually know those passages? And we're all growing in that aren't we we're all growing and knowing the counsel of god's word and, and to be able to apply it but that's that's the goal so then the last thing is the local church and uh we'll pick it up there next week it is 10 15 so somebody help me remember that the three things that god gives us and then we'll we'll cover these resources what the church gives us and then uh, we'll just share with you what we're trusting God to do at MBT in terms of formalizing and then expanding a local church-based biblical counseling ministry. Uh, ultimately, what we'd like to see is the counseling ministry matured within the context of MBT, but then well, we're trusting God to offer it to Midtown. There are people that more and more people are realizing that, that a, a clinical psych... Uh, psychological approach is deficient and so we will basically be offering another option to midtown and we're going to trust god that that's going to be one of our great fishing holes we're going to go fishing for men and uh, people will come in with some addiction or some frustration and and we're going to trust god to lead them to christ and plug them into biblical discipleship which is one of the greatest counseling tools ever generated we're going, to plug them in. We're going to plug them into a Bible study and, and uh, they're going to have relationships with other believers so that the Ephesians 4 function starts to take place. They become fitly joined to the body and now they have encouragement and accountability. And, and so we've got a holistic, we talk about it in terms of the psych- psych- psychologist, we've got a holistic, thera- I mean, it's biblically therapeutic environment for people to recover out of their problems. Uh, most people just need to meet Jesus. They need to surrender to the life Um, they have. They need to learn what his will is over their life. and, And if they'll just humble themselves and if they're surrounded by people that are doing that, just endeavoring to know God and for his glory, just submit their lives and live out, live out the word of God over their lives. Just trust God to live it out. Game changer. I love you guys. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit LFFellowship.com. God bless.